everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Debatable. Once again, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jordan, joined by my other co-host, Michael. How are you doing today, man? Good, man. How's everything? Good, yeah. Excited to be back, talk a little hockey. So very excited about today's podcast. Uh, we sure. also are very blessed to be joined by my close personal friend, Chris Mazza, a diehard hockey fan and my favorite and saddest New Jersey Devils fan. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Happy to be here. Look at that bless. What a welcome. I feel uh, all warm and fuzzy until the uh, the devil's comments came into play. So I yeah, uh, I know I'm 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 happy to be here. I'm uh, I'm, I'm happy. Thank you guys for uh, for inviting me on the podcast. It's always a uh, a good few to talk about hockey, so I uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks guys. Yeah. We'll be a lot of devil's jobs if you're okay with that. Oh, I'm expecting it. Podcast. <laughs> so on this episode, the boys and I will engage in a bit of Leafs talk and share views on the team's performance as well as the entertaining North Division. Then we'll dive into some NHL teams' prospects pools and decide who we think is best set up for the future. And then we'll do a little bit of a fantasy draft of players under the age of 23. But before we start, we received sad news today that a Russian player, Timur Fazudinov, had passed away after a freak accident where he got hit in the head with a puck. So best wishes to his family. Okay, now on with the podcast. Jordan, get us started. Yeah, so like Mike said, we're going to talk a little about, about the Canadian division, what the North division started off. A lot of people say it is the weakest division. So I want to get your guys' opinions on this first. The Leafs are said to be the best team. It's going to be a cakewalk for them. I'll start off with you, Chris. Are the Leafs overrated because of their easy schedule? So I think... The item with that question is it needs to be broken down into two pieces. So first of all, I don't believe the Leafs are overrated. I think they are a good, a dominant, uh, a Stanley Cup contending team, regardless of division. However, I also believe that it it is, let's put it this way, there is an opportunity in front of them based on the division to make this season not just a good one, but a great one or a dominant one. Um I'm sure we'll get into the back and forths on division of the teams that are in it. Um, but I mean, just, and I was having this conversation with someone today. It's the way I see this is that again, it's the division itself. It's not as much of a cakewalk as I think is being made out in the, um, or is it fun to be made out in the media. However, it's also not something that, you know, can be shied away from the fact that, yeah, there's no, there's no Tampa in the division. There's no Boston in the division. There's no team that is considered, you know, the elite of the elite outside of Toronto in the division. And to not view that as an incredible opportunity for the Leafs would, I think, be the um, flawed. Like realistically, there should be no reason. And I think Kyle Dubas had a had a or had a a meeting today at a uh, an interview today that he came out and he said, "Yeah, we're basically going all in." And I think that's the right approach. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the team should be going all in regardless, but especially given the fact that this division really gives them an opportunity to, and this is where I think all the, uh, the debates going to play is skate into the uh, uh, final four, because realistically, I think for the most part, for the last few years, people have been doing the Leafs as okay, just win at least one round, win one playoff round. That's considered mm-hmm. success. That's considered growth. It's considered moving forward. However, this year, I think if they don't make the final four, that's a disappointment in this division. They yeah. are far and away the best team, whether or not it is harder than some people give it credit for, they are still the best team. And so they don't, mm-hmm. if they don't realistically 
ease their way into the final four, I think that's considered a disappointment. Yeah, I well, I agree with you there for sure. Absolutely, I think the Leafs are the best team going forward. I think Winnipeg is an elite team. I think they will get in trouble. Hellybuck showed that Winnipeg can be legit. They have a playoff bound team. The big guys, Wheeler, Connor's a sniper. I think Dubois is going to be a great acquisition come playoff time. When people say, I guess they don't have those Tampa, Florida, Vegas. But Boston, Colorado, Tampa, Florida, and Vegas all statistically have easier schedules this year just based on they're playing a lot of those teams, like, no offense, but like New Jersey Devils or Buffalo (laughs) Sabres that may have kind of those cakewalk teams that they're easy to bully and push around. But I think Ottawa is the only really team like that in the division. I don't know about your opinion there, Mike. Yeah, um, I think uh, both of you guys make a lot of good points there. And I think uh, I, I do believe Winnipeg is a sneaky good team as well. I think they're they're an elite team. I think Toronto is uh, is definitely a better team overall. However, we've seen in the past the the young and experienced side of the Leafs can they can sometimes be a bit of a mental midget team. But I think that's kind of why they uh, sharpened up around bringing in some vets. Um, the players are becoming more mature, like you see it in Austin Matthews. Um, and I also think that uh, one of the common misconceptions here, if people are saying that this division is the weakest, and I, I see why, especially when you look at the defensive play in this division, I think the defensive responsibility is pretty bad. You look at the decors of Winnipeg, Edmonton, uh, Vancouver, Ottawa, they're, they're extremely weak. And for us to be saying that the Leafs debatably have the best defensive core is something I thought I would never be able to say um, in the, uh, in the past couple of years. So I think that's definitely why a lot of people might think it's, it's the weakest division. And also I think Calgary could be a tough team uh, assuming they make it. I'm not even familiar with the uh, playoff structure this year, but I think if there's, Calgary, there's can four, get in there, four, top four teams. teams okay. Sure, so yeah. I figured if Calgary can squeak in there, I feel like they could be a tough team to play against in the playoffs mm-hmm. as well. Um, they're they're just like Winnipeg. They're kind of built for uh, for playoffs, I think. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying uh, how entertaining the North Division is so far. A lot of goals being scored. Yeah, like what I'll build off that. Like uh, there's 3.05 goals scored per game in the North Division per team, which is kind of cool. Like that's a lot of firepower. That's a, expected when you have McDavid, Matthews, Dreisaitl, Shifley, Marner. But one yeah. thing. I want to talk to the least really quickly. There's seventh in the league in goals given up per game at 2.48. So having playing in that dynamic division with all those offensive powerhouses, I really speak spelt volumes about their improved decor. Yep. I think, cause everyone's saying there's so much scoring, but the Leafs are still keeping out of the net. So it's really cool. So we, we talked a little about Winnipeg and you brought in Calgary. I'll pass it over Chris Today, right now, who are your top four teams and who are making the playoffs in that Canadian division? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think the last I saw the division, I think it was pretty clear there are three teams that should be quote-unquote safe in the playoffs. But then it comes down to that last team. And I know the Canucks are on a bit of a run now. So, obviously, Leafs, Jets, Oilers, I think it's safe to say they're all making the playoffs. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we can probably all agree on that from the sounds of it. Um, And, I mean – Lowly two or three weeks ago, it was the Habs who were even, I think, some fun media members were talking about them being a threat to Toronto at the top of the division. And, oh, lo and behold, they're battling with the Flames for the final playoff spot. Now, I think I've always been a believer in what the Flames were doing. Um, their head coach is actually New Jersey's old assistant coach. I like Jeff Ward. Or, oh, I guess I liked previously. Oh, wow, that's right. 
Jeff Ward was uh, was let go uh, last week, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. Yeah, they brought back Sutter. All right, that's right. Um, the guy who does not fit the makeup of the Flames one no. single bit. Um, so we'll see how that marriage goes, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. maybe he's enough to at least give them the old school jolts and push them into the playoffs. I think as a roster overall, I I never loved the Habs' hot start to the season. Um, they they had fine depth. There's guys that could score on a lot of their lines, but and with Carey Price, of course, you could win any any game you're in. Um, however, there's just they're lacking guys that are true game breakers and guys that can step up and win you games when you really really need it. The Flames have those players. Um, like I I don't believe or love any of the thought of them letting Johnny Gaudreau go. He realistically should be one of the most important players, and he's still not that old. I think he's like mm-hmm. 28 years old or so. Yeah, he's still in his prime. In, yeah. in his prime for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he should still be a part of their future in core, even though he's swirling around these rumors. And I think it's probably because his contract is up, not this season, but well, he's also like year. you said, Sutter's coming in. Sutter and Gudro yeah. are totally like coach and player cannot be uh, more different. Terrible match. Um, now, with it all being said, to answer your question, I'd probably say um, just based on the fact that they have still one of the best goalies in the world on any given nights um and at least a good chunk of depth on their team i'd probably say the canadians sneak into that last spot although how far back are the canucks because they're they're on a bit of a tear right now yeah. they're uh they're, they're not far back at all like uh the habs flames and canucks are all within uh three points of each other but montreal or sorry canucks have played four more games than montreal and three more games in calgary so oh, well look at that yeah good for them um kind of along um Along what you guys were saying earlier, though, I, I think back to, I guess, the main the main piece of this um, being the division and the competitiveness, I think the best way I've been able to frame it um, or think of it in my mind is that it's the teams in the division, none of them will be tough outs, or sorry, none of them will be easy outs outside of the Senators. Like, even if you were to get, mm. say, the second last team in that division right now, the Canucks, like we just said, they're they're basically near being in that final playoff spot. See, yeah, um, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I don't think the division is as easy as people say. I really don't think other than Ottawa, there's any easy teams that at least play on a consistent basis. I really not, don't. They're not tough outs, however, or sorry, they're not easy outs. However, again, it's not like the Leafs will have to go through anyone on that juggernaut stage like Boston no, exactly, or Tampa. Yeah. And you really got to wonder, it's the same thing that happens in the World Juniors every year where this year actually – um, with Canada, right? We had Canada had a pretty uh, a pretty easy run uh, throughout the round robin stage. The Canada's division was pretty weak, and so everyone was worried about whether or not that was going to affect them when it came to the uh, the medal rounds, and it didn't. So hopefully, I guess for these fans, uh, the same thing will be occurring this year for them in the playoffs. And that who knows, maybe going up against, for example, a Calgary in the first rounds um, with a disjointed combination between their head coach and some of their players. Um, and maybe that's not fair to say because he's, he's you know, new there with them right now. Um, but, I mean, like we talked about, that marriage just doesn't seem like it's going to be a great fit. Mm-hmm. And so who knows if going up against Calgary in the first round and then maybe going up against the Oilers' stout defense in the second yeah. round, is it going to be great to prepare Toronto to go up against a Tampa or a Boston sure. in, the, um, in the conference finals? No, I agree with that. So I get your sense you're going Calgary as your fourth, I guess, kind of Vancouver. Mike, do you, are you kind of – with Calgary, I, oh, sorry, Montreal, you said. I think I want to go Montreal, yeah. Okay. So, Mike, what's are you going one of those three teams? Or, I guess, you're not going Ottawa, so. I don't know, man. I three. think Ottawa, Ottawa might make a <laughs> make uh, run. sneaky run in there. <laughs> no, um, Fires at the deadline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think uh, I think I got to go Calgary there. Jacob Markstrom has been playing 
pretty well, I'd say. I mean, like he he's doing his job right now for sure. They also have David Riddick back there, who was pretty nasty last year. So, um, hopefully that adds some stability for them. But, um, yeah, I just, I just think I I think they're gonna get it together. Um, they've shown in the past couple of years that they are a pretty solid team. Um, and I think if they do get to the playoffs, they could uh, they could surprise a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I, I do think they'll be in there. I think Edmonton will be there just because of the McDavid dry saddle effect, obviously. So yeah, I, I, I think the, the top three teams are pretty much a lock. And then, yeah, I think it'll come down. And I think it'll be the Flames. Well, I mean, you are right with Calgary. I mean, remember not last year, the year before they won their division. Um, yeah, yeah. They were a surprising. They were second. They were second in the West. Like yeah. they were an elite team two years yeah, ago. Were, last full season, goal. I guess. Yep. Mm. And I mean, and that's why I've kind of always loved and believed in their roster, but for whatever reason, things just aren't clicking. And I'd like to yep. believe that Sutter can come in and, and, and help this and it'll all work out together. And you know what? It very well might, he might throw in some mm. quick off the, uh, off the skid defensive system and then allow, you know, Gaudreau to still be able to put up enough goals to win them games, uh, win them low scoring mm. hockey games. Um, Cause again, they're, they're much as he is very likely by all accounts going to focus them towards more of a, a defensive structured team. Like guys like Gaudreau and Monahan, and I loved, loved, loved the Lindholm acquisition when they uh, when they made it mm-hmm. um, as part of that trade. Like these guys and Kachuk, pardon me for mentioning him fourth. Um, they can all they can all score, and so even in, in a low scoring game, low school, low event hockey, um, as we're expecting from them, they can still put up enough goals to win. So who knows? I I think that's a great pick as uh, as well. Um, but again, to the Canucks, like it's the the fight for that last playoff spot might actually be a lot of fun in that. Um, in, in that division another fun fact though that i found out um when uh, when kind of rolling through the divisions was that um the top four teams in minor penalties taken all in the north division vancouver ottawa montreal calgary all one two that's three four four defensive yeah. play those hooks and so, in those trips and that's yeah. the thing you, you take that you take the fact that um six of the seven teams are in the top half of the league in shots per game it's the only teams that are above a hundred goals yeah. against are Vancouver and Ottawa, Vancouver and Ottawa so far. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. just so much that points to terrible defensive hockey in that division. But I think it can also be a good marriage. Like you mentioned earlier, where there's also some of the, like the best stars in the league in that division. So you could argue mm-hmm. that the best offenses in that division. I think exactly, both, yeah. both things can be true where it can be the worst defensive division in hockey while also not being the worst division overall in hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Like, my team, I'm kind of, I don't know if it's this is the year, but I had the Canucks, I think, with guys like Besser, Hughes, Horvat, Miller, Pedersen. They're set up for the future, and the Canucks are going to be contender for a long time. It might not be this year, but I really think when I was kind of doing my research, it was Thatcher Demko was struggling. The last couple of games, he's been very, very solid. Remember watching, like him, remember watching him, the World Juniors? I thought Thatcher Demko was going to be the next Carey Price, not based on his uh, – kind of how he plays goalies just how elite he was and dominant um in those international competitions so i was really high in him and i think he like in the playoffs he had under one goals against average i know he only played like four games uh filling in for markstrom but he was elite so we'll see what the canucks can do might not be this year but who knows? Oh yeah, he was um, dynamite. He was dynamite in the playoffs last year. Yeah, yeah bubble yeah. demko man he's uh, <laughs> he's on his way back right now <laughs> Playoff Lenny yeah. and Bubble Bubble Demko. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, does anyone else have anything they want to talk about the Canadian division, or do you want to move um, on to our kind of top teams going forward? 
yeah, I think we should uh, probably move on to that. I think we'll uh, we'll have to have another episode. I think because there's a couple of uh, interesting Leafs topics that uh, oh yeah <laughs> I want to discuss, like the trade deadline, Freddie Anderson, uh, the expansion draft, all that. But I think that uh, that'll have to be saved for another episode. Or this episode would be like ten hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go on forever. <laughs> yeah. So, Mike, you want to start us off with your team? Yeah, for sure. Um, so. I evaluated the depth as well as talent and strength at the top end of, of all these NHL teams who I think have very good prospect pools. And there's, there's a ton, um, there's a ton of great talent coming in to the NHL, whether that's drafted or undrafted, but uh, for now we'll stick to the drafted guys. Uh, I came down to two teams um, and those were LA and Ottawa Um obviously teams who aren't the greatest teams right now, but I think within the next five to seven years could really string together a really solid roster. So how I broke it down is I took the top 10, uh, in this case, actually 11 prospects of both these teams and kind of assigned them into tiers and added like a point system based on the tier that they're in. And I had Ottawa coming on top. A lot of people might think the Kings are a bit more deep, but the, the people, the tiers I broke down were uh, elite tier. So elite could be a star or uh, a really solid first line player. And then guys who could be first line potential, but most likely they're going to be like good top six guys. And then uh, some guys who are top six, top nine, and then top nine below. So on Ottawa, uh, I have Tim Stutzler in the elite. I think the guy's super dynamic. Hopefully uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about him in the next segment with this, with this draft, but um, I think, although right now, analytically, he's not he's not really producing as much as he should uh, on both sides of the ice. Uh, he's not he's kind of a defensive liability and an offensive right now. He's not contributing positively right now, but um, that's the investment you got to make, especially when you're in the sentence position. Uh, I think the guy's talent is insane. His IQ is amazing. He makes plays at such a high pace. Everything's at a fast pace. Sorry. Uh, he's making insane plays going at very, very high speeds. Uh, and I think the the biggest difference maker for me with him is uh, is his ability to kind of drive play. Uh, he, he creates things and doesn't wait for the game to come to him. He uh, he makes things happen right away. So Timmy's in uh, Timmy Superstars in my elite tier for Ottawa. And then uh, yeah, the, uh, the next three guys I kind of have as that, uh, in this case, top pairing D or solid top four and a potential first line. Uh, forward. So those two defensemen being uh, Jake Sanderson and Eric Brams- Brandstrom. I know Brandstrom's playing right now. I still decided to keep him in the prospect pool here just because I don't think he's even close to fulfilling his potential. I think he's a solid offensive guy. Uh, I-, I don't know if he'll end up being a top pairing D guy, but I think he- he'll he'll be a really good power play guy and really good offensive puck moving guy. Sanderson uh, impressed me a lot at the World Juniors, actually. I uh, I wasn't huge on them picking him fifth overall, but um, he looked good at the World Juniors. I'm excited to see what happens with him. And then the last guy who I think could actually be a, a first-line forward on that team, and it's kind of proving that right now, is Drake Batherson. I didn't really have him as an elite guy, but I think this year he's kind of proving a lot of people wrong. He's, I mean, he's going on tears. He's playing a pretty physical game, getting a lot of shots, uh, doing a lot of things right. So I'm happy to see that. And then the next year I have Josh Norris, Logan Brown, and Jacob Bernard-Docker. And then in the top nine and below guys who, you know, never know could end up being solid guys, but are just good depth guys is Alex Formanton, who's kind of disappointed me quite a bit. Uh, Shane Pinto, Lassie Thompson, and Philip Gustafson. 
uh, the goalie there. So that's kind of how I broke the, uh, the prospect pool down. I think these guys, um, they, they have a shot at being a really special team, especially guys like Batherson, who I think he's, he just fits their style of play right now. And hopefully that doesn't change. And a guy like Timmy, I, uh, I truly think that guy's dynamite and mm-hmm. he will, uh, he'll carry that team to do great things one day. So yeah, yeah. I, think, Ottawa. I think the one thing about Ottawa to you folks on prospects, they have a lot of core young guys that are super yeah, young exactly. as well. Like Brady to Chuck. Shabbat's think, still young. <laughs> Shabbat, I think I've loved Shabbat since the world juniors. Chris knows that. Um, yeah. I love the guys. I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And Brady the Chuck is a guy you want on that team. He's not going to score 50 goals. Everyone knows that, but he's going to bring that intangibles. Exactly. Sure. That um, you're going to, so you're going to want him in the playoffs. You're going along playoff oh, yeah. run. That's a guy you want. He's built for the playoffs, which I, I love the pick of Ottawa. And I think it's really cool this year. They have, like you said, Norris is playing right now. Um, no, Bathurst really and all that. Yeah. I'll go into my team who I picked. I kind of based on four different kind of criteria. I looked at, cause for the team going forward, I looked at front office cap flexibility core under 25 and then prospect pool. So the team I chose is already considered an elite team, but I still think going forward for future wise, they are the best team. That is the Colorado avalanche. Um, everyone sees they're a dynamic team already. They were Stanley cup favorites with like a Vegas and uh, Boston Tampa kind of going in this year and they're going to be good for a long time. So I'll start with the front office. Joe Sackett, I think is kind of proven that he's an elite GM he signed McKinnon, I know, before he kind of broke out, which is, I don't think anyone can argue, maybe other than Pasternak, that's the best deal in the NHL right now. He dealt for Grubauer, he's dealt for um, drafted McCarr, traded for Kadri, he's also drafted Branton in, and he's also traded for those guys like Barakowski and those kind of depth guys that have helped them kind of solidify themselves in the playoffs. And he they still have first founders for the next three years, so they're set up in that regard. Cap flex- flexibility... Um, they will have to sign McKinnon um, in a couple of years. Ranton signed up for 9.2 million up until 2025. So looking at that number compared to what Marner got last year, I think that's a pretty reasonable contract going forward. I think Ranton is an elite player. So even though 9.2 is kind of a big cap hit in terms of what people are signing for, I think it's uh, relatively inexpensive as well as they have their guys like Gerard and Taze locked into team friendly deals as well as Kadri. So they do have a lot of their core already locked up. Um, when you look at their roster under 25, they have Makar, the reigning Calder Trophy winner. He's going to be a number one D. I truly believe that. They have a guy, Samuel Gerard, who has always been the second option offensively on their back end. But he's really coming to his own. He's got 19 points in 22 games. Um, they got him in the Duchesne deal, and I really like him going forward. And this guy's 26, but Devin Taves, they just traded for, and I think that solidifies that kind of defensive need on the back end because they have so many offensive D as well as they have McKinnon, not enough said about McKinney's an elite number one center and Rantanen. So that'll be his wingman for the foreseeable future, 280 point seasons under his belt already. He's playing per game the last two years. So their corner 25 is very strong. And I'll quickly just go over their prospect pool really quickly. Uh, they got Bowen Byram. He's got a cannon from the back end, 2019 fourth overall pick. I think he also has the tools to be a number one defenseman. I'm not sure if he's left or right-handed, but he left. could be up left. Is What's McCarr then? Right. McCarr. So that kind of could set up for a perfect um, kind of, well, a very elite defense, number one defense pair going forward because Byram also brings those kind of intangibles too. He's got that physical edge as well when I was watching some of his highlights. So I think 
that could really complement Makar. They have another guy that I'm not super familiar with, but Justin Barron. He's a 20, was 25th overall pick in the 2020 draft. Um, he's six foot two, so good size. And I saw he was a possible top 10 pick prior to his draft year. Yeah. Um, I know some people are more cautious. Some scouts are more cautious because they think he lacked offensive upside. With all that offensive kind of ability in the back end, this might be a guy they're kind of looking for. And the last guy I'll kind of talk about, I know, Mike, you're a huge fan of him, is Alex Newhook. A lot of yeah, people massive. are saying he is the steal of the draft. And a great two-way center, 16th overall in 2019. And I think everyone can say he was a difference maker in the World Juniors. So based on that, I really don't think it's a competition going forward. Colorado is going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning for the foreseeable future. Great core, great prospect pool. Chris, yeah, I'll let you uh, talk about your team. I know you're excited to talk about what team you think is the best for the future. Oh, super excited. So I, um, it actually it pains me to not be choosing the New Jersey Devils. I won't, um, <laughs> I won't beat this drum too long, um, but I would like to point out that I think they are in a wonderful spot moving forward in terms of the combination of good young talent on the roster right now who can fill different roles, defensive roles, offensive roles, as well as the prospects they have coming up. I think the Devils are in a great spot. It's been a tough, tough, tough few years, but I think there is hope on the horizon. I'm excited for the future the team can hold, plus Mackenzie Blackwood looks like he's um, underratedly, very, very underrated, becoming one of the best Canadian goalies in the league, which is awesome to see. Yeah. Um, I kind of took a bit of a balanced or blended approach from uh, from how you guys uh, approach this. I kind of started to break down some of the prospects and the tiers um, while also looking at the state of the current roster, more importantly, the youth on the roster, as well as who is in charge. Um, and the team that I landed on was the Edmonton Oilers. So starting at the top, um, one thing I found interesting when going through some of the executive history. So we all know Ken Holland came in there a few years ago and finally Edmonton, I guess, decided to, their, their brain trust decided, Hey, you know what? We're going to stop tiptoeing around trying to find, trying to find the right guy for the team. And we're just going to go get a guy we know has built dominant championship teams internationally and in the NHL. Um, not kind of skirting around the decision anymore saying we're not going to waste any more of, or we're going to try to not waste any more of Connor McDavid's uh, career. And we're going to go get the right guy for the job. And I think that's, um, I think that's the right hire. Uh, he'll he'll do a good job of once he gets kind of the cap, some of the uh, smaller poking around cap issues in uh, in place. He'll do a great job of building a, a good deep team around him. One thing I found interesting about Ken Holland though was that um, going through his career and the career of most notably Detroit uh, while he was at the helm, he became the GM there in ninety four ninety five. Before that, the team was hovering around a points percentage of six hundred or so, generally five six low sixes. Um, for the two years um, or for the few years before he got there where he was uh, named GM the immediate two years after he got named general manager their points percentage jumped to above 700 and then of wow. course we all know how it went from there the team won four Stanley Cups with him at the helm he's a recent Hall of, Hockey Hall of Fame inductee and um, then going to the Oilers the two years before he landed there their points percentage was 496 or sorry 476 and 482 for the two years since he got there, 585 and 581. Now, obviously, it's not the same kind of jump as, you know, the, the wings going to 700. But all that shows is that the guy is able to step in and immediately change the culture uh, from quite literally a losing franchise to a winning franchise, 400 to above uh, 500, um, which is awesome to see. I think that, that that bodes well for the future, especially now that, you know, he, he had to kind of uh, he had some cleanup to do um, when he got there and, and to kind of start building the team into his own. 
Uh, then moving into the coach, Dave Tippett, resume kind of speaks for himself. Um, he's 21st all time in, uh, in coaching wins. He's a Jack Adams award winner. Uh, he took that, um, that Phoenix Coyotes team to the, uh, to the conference finals back when their roster really shouldn't have deserved to be there, to be quite frank. Um, that was the year that LA kind of ran through everyone. Um, and then uh, moving on to their, their roster itself, the, one of the main reasons that I, uh, I chose the Oilers as a roster as, as the, uh, the team that I think is best suit up for the future because is because at the end of the day, they have the best player in the world. Um, and I think that's fairly I'm fairly confident in saying that, and I'm fairly confident that you gentlemen would be able to agree with that. Um, they have the best player in the world who is 24 years old, um, along with a guy who is arguably a top five player in the world. Uh, now, speaking about contracts, as you were with uh, with McKinnon in Colorado there, Jordan, um, Leon Dreisaitl's contract, which I think all it took was about a half a season for it to go from people criticizing whether or not he deserved $8.5 million to being one of the best values in the league, getting a guy that's going to pot 50 goals every year. Is it only eight, is it only eight point five? You said eight point five million, yeah. and he signed for the next five years. Um, that's remarkable, and in the immediate future, that's going to help offset some of the bad contracts they have. Guys like uh, like James Neal there. Um, but once James Neal's contract is done, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, James Neal's contract is up to two years after this one. Um, once that's done, guess what? You still have Dreisaitl locked up at 8.5 after that and it'll give you the flexibility to start building around um around those guys and adding you know players for uh, a bit higher cap percentages maybe it's you know the two 2.5 million dollar guys that teams like for example toronto can't exactly afford right now um considering the fact that all their money is tied up into four four players um now the other item that um it would have probably limited me from picking the oilers if um i hadn't seen some uh I guess the recent report from the King, Elliot Friedman, I believe it was Friedman that both pointed this out, um, is that Nugent Hopkins, so his contract's up this year, but the report that came out, I think it was this past weekend or the end of last week, was that there's not a very large gap in the next contract they're discussing. They're looking at signing him for the future at anywhere between 6 and $6.5 million, and he currently makes $6 million. So if you can get Nugent Hopkins, who is starting to come into his own, his points per game the last few years have continue to rise uh if you can get that guy locked up at something similar to what he's currently making also disposed well for the future of your team he's still hovering around he's very underratedly kind of hovered around that point per game uh the last few years and he's added some nice depth um i think they've kind of settled into the best way the oilers can build the roster is try settle as the winger for mcdavid on the first line with nugent hopkins having his own line the mm. only other consideration for them would be okay great that's a couple guys where's the rest of the team now I knew there were some prospects they had that I liked, but when I, uh, when I kind of went in deeper and, uh, and looked at, uh, at how their future looked, I was in love with their prospect pool in a way that I didn't think I was going to be. Um, a few guys on defense that um, one of the pieces that's been lacking for them for, for so long is they're like, great, you know, even without depth on offense, Connor McDavid can win games and put up enough points on his own, but there's not any kind, there's no one coming on defense to help them out. So, um, they're going to get blown up and McDavid can't, single-handedly score every goal for the team now that's starting there's uh, there's help on the way Evan Bouchard is already starting to uh, to show it he um, in my mind I think he deserves more of a role than he currently has he's on their tax squad right now when he has played he's good um, granted Tyson Berry in his one-year contract uh, before he he goes and hits big in free agency kind of taking that first uh, 
first unit power play role right now, but I think Bouchard is going to be a seamless fit in that role once uh, once Barry's gone. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Broberg. I think he's a little more one-dimensional than I would like, and even even in that sense, I think he's um, he's not quite as gifted offensively as he was made out to be uh, or as the top pick that he was. However, that doesn't mean he's a bad prospect. He's got speed to burn, um, and he's going to be able to create a lot of chances offensively for the team. I think he'd be a great second-line defenseman um, that's able to kind of work really well in transition. Um He's a left-shot defenseman, so between Bouchard on the right and Broberg on the left, they've got uh, two kind of stalwarts they can they can kind of rely on going forward. We're both super young, both high picks. Um, Dylan Holloway was the absolute perfect pick for that team. He's going to add that size we were talking about. You need those guys that can play big, physical. You need those guys to win, and it just so happens that he's also unbelievable offensively. He's currently got 11 goals and 34 points in 20 games with, uh, with Wisconsin right now. Um, and you'd imagine that it might not be even just beyond this season before uh, the Oilers bring him up uh, and give him his entry-level contract. Uh, Ryan McLeod, brother of uh, the aforementioned earlier, uh, Mike McLeod, he's doing well in the AHL right now. Could add some nice depth as their third-line center, perhaps. Carter Savoie was a very, very late pick in this year's draft relative to how he's uh, or where he should have gone, I think. Uh, I loved him. I loved his shot. There were concerns about his, um, his skating ability and that might be his biggest uh, restriction in terms of whether he can make it to the NHL still at this point. However, surprise, surprise, he was absolutely dominant in the age AHL. And then he's now in his first year in the NCAA near a point per game. His goal scoring has transferred right over. He's got 12 goals just under a point per game in 23 games in his first year with, uh, with Denver. Uh, love Tyler Benson. He was um, another guy who could just step in there and, and be provide good depth. I mean, at the end of the day, um, sure. We talked about, or I talked about earlier, you can sign, you might have the flexibility to sign some guys in that $2 million, $3 million range to add some depth, but it'd be better if that comes from within. And a guy like Tyler Benson, he was the first overall pick in the uh, WHL Bantam draft, kind of had some injury issues and then um, kind of got uh, got thrown out. But I think it was a second or third round pick for Edmonton. He's been crushing it in the AHL. Should he, again, he's another guy who's he's ready to step in as early as right now. So as early as next year, there's going to be a lot of guys, or a lot of help coming up from within. Mm-hmm. And the Oilers also have a lot of contracts ending next year. So the fact that Kind of creating a perfect storm. A lot of these top prospects can take the uh, the roles of uh, of these somewhat high salary guys that are going to be leaving next year. It's going to be a great fit for them. And I think help depth both defensively and offensively is on the way. The one thing they'll need to address is finding a long term goaltender. There's a couple guys yeah. in the system that I don't mind, but nobody that yeah. um, that's really going to break uh, break the bank and become you know yeah. a, a surefire starter. So, but other other than that, I believe from the top down, from their upper management, head coach the best player in the league, arguably a top five player in the league as well. And, and dry sidle, um, as well as a very, very impressive prospect system. I think Edmonton's got a uh, bright future. Yeah. I can't, argue, I can't think we can argue with that two top five players in the league. McDavid is undisputable, undisputed number one. I don't think anyone's going to catch him for the foreseeable future. For sure. So essentially what we did here is um, we're, we're going to be drafting, um, all, all, all these players are going to be under 23 years old. And these are guys who we would want to build a franchise around. Uh, so we're going to be drafting, uh, in like a snake draft order. So, um, I think we got Chris going first, Jordan second yeah. and myself third, uh, snake draft. And we'll each be drafting three forwards, two defensemen and one goalie. Uh, and giving just kind of a quick breakdown on, yeah. on those guys we're picking and, and why we're picking them. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, give it off to Chris for the uh, the first pick here. On the clock, exciting. exciting. The uh, we're on the clock here. The uh, 
the boys gave me the surprise of uh, letting me know that I got the first pick. And, and so it was, um, it was exciting. It was, I was filled with uh, joy and invigoration. Now the, um, in terms of the pick itself, just looking at the, uh, the breakdown that I've got, um, the way I'll focus this is going to be on building a balance team. So I'm going to try to grab a right shot defenseman and a left shot defenseman, as well as a center left winger and right winger, while also trying to, uh, to read the future and figure out uh, with each pick, who the other gentlemen are going to uh, to take. And so my first pick is going to be Elias Pedersen. And it's going to be built in the fact that I admittedly probably would have gone with another player, an individual player as my first overall pick. However, I believe I can get a guy that I want with um, my second round selection at the end of the second round there. Uh, if so, I will let you know and I'll be ecstatic. If I don't get him, I will also let you know, but we'll still be ecstatic because there's plenty of good players left. Um, <laughs> With Elias Patterson, I think um, building around one guy you can certifiably call a number one center is a great place to start. Elias Patterson combines a lot of what you would want in the modern day NHL. Uh, great skater, incredible shot, which I don't believe he uses as often as he should. Um, he's a guy who right now I think he's kind of hovered between that 20 to 30 goal range, but I think there's every reason to believe he can challenge for 40 goals in any given season. Again, great skater, which is exactly what you want. In today's NHL, also wonderful, uh, wonderful vision, wonderful at setting up plays, great in transition, just exactly what you would want out of someone to lead your franchise. Plus, at the end of the day, this is all the name of the game here is young players. He's young. Um, you need somebody you know you could build your franchise around for the next 10 years. Nice. Yeah, so awesome. so you took my pick. So we had to kind of panic in the draft room right here. So consulting with the other guys in the room. Creating pandemonium um, off the start. <laughs> But like you, I'm going to try to build the best all-around team. And I'm going to go to my favorite defenseman in the league in Kale McCarr. Um, the, the previous Calder Trophy winner, we all know he's a high-end skater, tremendous puck skills. He's got a great shot. And one kind of fact I want to talk about him, there's only five defensemen in NHL history to collect both a Calder Trophy and a Norris Trophy. And I'm pretty sure McCarr will become mm-hmm. the sixth at some point in For that sure. career. He's had 15 points in 15 playoff games. Um, uh, he plays about 24, 25 minutes a night. Um, he's a minutes eater. And I'm very happy to add Kale McCarr as my first overall pick. Nice. Um, one thing I just wanted to add on to uh, to Kill McCarr, uh, he he would have been my my first pick if I had the first overall. Um, but a couple a uh, couple of cool stats about him. So as of this was as of March fifth. Um, so despite playing less games than most of the other elite defensemen, he led the entire league in goals above replacement, um, and was um, and was one full standard deviation above the mean for all of these following stats. So goals four per 60, Corsi four per 60, expected goals against per 60 and Corsi against per 60. Um, also repping a 65.6 Corsi rating through 15 games. And what's even more impressive is he was still above 60 at 60.6 at five on five, um, which just shows dominance um, in my opinion in terms of this year and what we've seen this year, he was far and away the best defenseman in the entire NHL. So um, very, uh, very good pick there. So now I guess I have back-to-back picks here. Eh, boys? You got back-to-back three, picks. Four. Okay. So this is, this is tough. Um, there are a couple of defensemen that 
um, that I kind of want to uh, want to take a stab at. But I and think Mike, that... I'm keeping track of all the players that are picked. So you just okay. let me know if you forget one person's got. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I think the defense is so stacked in this under 23 age that I don't think I need to take a defenseman right now. Um, so the two players I'm going to pick are debatably, you need a number one center. Every team needs number one center and everyone needs a number one goalie. So um, with that being said, I'll, I'll, I'll say the goalie first, just for dramatic effect here, but um, <laughs> Yaroslav Askarov. Um, I know obviously there was a lot of criticism on him for, uh, for his world juniors performance. He had that weird stick thing going on where he kept losing his stick. It was weird. I get it. But um this guy's often referred to as the best goalie since Vasilevsky. I see why the comparison is made. Um, and in the KHL this year, which is, in my opinion, the second best pro hockey league on the planet, in nine games, he's posting a 951 save percentage and a 1.21 goals against average. This is insane when it comes to numbers. Um, Vasilevsky, through 28 games, put up a 923 save percentage and 2.23 goals against average. Obviously, more games, but I think Vasilevsky's well on his way to putting up numbers like this or even better. Um, I think once he matures a bit, packs on a little bit of weight as well, maybe he can uh, get the grip strength to hold on to his stick. But um, the guy, he's super impressive. I, 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 I personally do believe he will be the best goal in the NHL at some point in time. Um, so that's going to be my, my pick at, uh, at third overall there. And now for the fourth, yeah, before, before you build that, like how um, yeah. lucky is Nashville? Like Rene has been one of the best goalies in the league for so yeah. long. Go from Rene to a guy like this of his caliber. Yeah. Very lucky to be a Preds fan to have, a, I know UC Soros. I know he's supposed to be, he's highly regarded, but I don't I, like, I don't no. know with him. But. Like, well, here's uh, the thing. I mean, like goalies aren't always, well, they're rarely ever sexy picks, but the thing is, yeah. is if you can lock yourself into one that's going to be, you know, giving you enough, he's going to be giving you enough quality starts to win you more uh, or enough games to make the playoffs more years than not. then that's mm-hmm. all you can ask for. Right. And so if Askarov can kind of come step in and have the same kind of effect that, um, you know, for example, Carey Price has had for, yeah. uh, for the Habs um, or Vasilevsky for, for the lightning, really, you know, recently Stanley cup winning lightning recently Stanley cup winning, Andre Vasilevsky or Rene, for example, for the Predators, like it's having a guy that can step in and, it, and it's just kind of a related to fantasy, fantasy football or fantasy hockey site, set it and forget it. Askarov's your guy is going to start 60, 70% of the games in the year and will give you a chance to win most games. It's, it's, it's incredible. And it's not a sexy pick, but it's, um, no. it, it'll help you build a winning team, right? Exactly. And, and there, there always is drafting a goalie super high. There's always a big if there um, on, on, if the guy's going to turn out, but I think just what he's shown in the KHL right now, like that's insane. And, and another thing that's kind of crazy, a bit off topic, but so he's 951 save percentage, 1.21 goals against average, insane numbers. And his team is fought, like when he's in net, he's five and four. So how are they losing games with him putting up those numbers? That That's Seriously. beyond me, but um, crazy. Carry price ask right there. Yeah, man. It's like, what are you like? What is, what is your team doing, man? That just goes but, to show like the John team Dixon. must not be very good yet. He's still able to put up those numbers on a probably stealing team. games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So fourth overall pick, my second overall pick, I'm going for a centerman who I personally believe is the best hockey prospect in the world right now. That's Shane Wright. Um, the OHL exceptional status. Um, I know obviously he's a super young guy right now, but I, I think the guy's insane. He's, he's had a, as an exceptional status player, he's putting up a better, he's had a first, a better first season than McDavid did statistics wise. I don't think he's a better player than McDavid is. 
Um, but 39 goals and 27 assists for 66 points in 58 games. I think one thing that separates him from most prospects is the goal scoring ability in your number one center. I think that's an invaluable um, trait to have there. Um, the guy's amazing. I think he's definitely going to be a top three player in the world at some point. I know it's extremely early to be saying that, but we're here for entertainment value, right? So um, got to uh, got to add that in there, but. Um, though, and also like he had like kind of a slow start to his exceptional status first season, but the second half of the season, he was on fire, which is crazy. I'm kind of pissed. The OHL is not in action right now, but I'm really excited to see him when he uh, gets up and going. So that's, uh, Yaroslav Askarov and Shane Wright as of right now. All right. Uh, I guess I'll move on with my second pick. I took Kale McCarr with my first and I'll try to keep this brief. I had three players I was considering, but I'm going to go with Tim Stutzla. Uh, I was between him or Laff. Um, he's got 15 points in 26 games. I think he's just shown more than Lafreniere this year. In my opinion, he's got good size, good chance to play with the medal. I really think he's an incredibly hard worker too, which I think speaks volumes. He really cares about the game. I know right after the World Juniors, he wanted to come right over to Ottawa for a chance to make him a big club. So that's who I'm going to go with my – uh, first forward off the board. Wanted him. I wanted him. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. I wanted maybe take the devil, but we'll see if he goes hey. in the next two picks. So I can um, I can tell you now, I, um, I absolutely was considering Kale McCarr at number one, just depending on uh, on which centers. I thought were going to fall to the, uh, the second round here, the end of the second round for me. Looking back at it now, given the fact that uh, there are a few uh, – Kingly Devils players still available that uh, play the center position. I think I uh, I would have been content taking the cart first overall. Now the other player that as uh, as I mentioned earlier, I would be super pumped if he fell to the second round here. Makes me very happy to have still taken Elias Pettersson. Um, I am taking Rasmus Dalin with this pick here, uh, securing a, a number one defenseman and a number one center moving forward. Uh, I know Kale McCarr is um, is getting a lot of praise right now and rightfully so I, I agree I, I think he is arguably already in the conversation for you know the best defenseman in the league right now it's 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 quite remarkable what he's doing um especially as you mentioned yeah say he wins the um the, the Norris as well uh pairing both those trophies Calder and Norris now with Dolene um I feel like the nonsense that's happening in Buffalo right now and how they can't seem to get uh, any kind of consistency for their roster and their performance um, under uh, under wraps. It's uh, it's really affecting how Rasmus Dalin is being viewed right now in the media. However, he still is one of, if not the best, arguably the best young defenseman in, uh, in the NHL right now. Um, in his first year in the league, in his rookie season, he managed to be only the third defenseman in NHL history to top 40 points as an 18-year-old. Um, speaks volumes to, you know, his ability to contribute uh, game-breaking offense from the back end. Um, and now, admittedly, he still needs to work on the rest of his game, rounding it out. I think it's not quite where most would have imagined he would be when he was uh, when he was taken uh, the top of this draft there. Um, he still needs to work on a lot of defensive parts of the game. Uh, but perhaps, you know, maybe we see a different coach in Buffalo soon, different structure, different system that might be kind of uh, works to his strength. I, uh, I am, though, super pumped to have him as, uh, as my number one defenseman, I, uh, he was one of the two guys I was hoping I could snag at the end of the second. All right. Um, the third round. Again, as, um, as mentioned earlier, I think a lot of this is going to be kind of feeling out um, where you guys were, were taking certain players and, you know, for example, where the Shane Wrights of the world go or, um, 
or where the Makars and the Deleens of the world go. And so knowing how it's all gone, I'm going to lock myself in uh, a guy who at um, just 16 years of age right now is already in some circles viewed as possibly one of the best goal scorers to be entering the NHL in the hopefully near future. That is Russia, Matvey Michkov. Um, we were talking earlier on the, uh, before the podcast, I believe here, uh, before we went live, that it's fun just to kind of go and, and pop into, you know, elite prospects and take a look at uh, some of Matvey Michkov's stats every few weeks or a few months, just because it's, it, it blows you away. It's, there's no other way to put it. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable what we're seeing from them. Um, they're, people joke about video game numbers. They're literally video game numbers. They're if you put NHL on to whatever lowest degree you possibly could and built your player as a 99 overall player, this is what you'd be doing. He's got um, like just unbelievably sky high uh, production in, in any league he's been in. And that's the thing too. So, I mean, it's not just where he started as, as a kid. He, he absolutely embarrassed um, last year, the U uh, 16 circuit for, uh, for Russia's U 16 groups uh, with uh, locomotive, uh, with their roster, he has 70 goals and 109 points. And 7 games. 0, folks, not 17, <laughs> 70, 7 Un- 0. Unreal. That's a wizard. Uh, anywhere he's been, he's basically been at or well above a goal per game. Went in any international competition that uh, that Russia's U16 team went to. He had 10 goals in, uh, in 11 games. Uh, for the Youth Olympic Games they went to, he had nine goals in four games. Um, and then this year in the, uh, in the MHL over in Russia, which is not an uncompetitive league in terms of your prospects that, you know, were recently drafted guys that are 18, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Maybe you'd expect massive production. And if they're not, then maybe you, uh, you might think that there's uh, something lacking in their game, but as a 16 year old, who is not eligible until the 2023 NHL draft. Matt Vemichkov has 35 goals in 50 games. Um, so you got some weight. You got some waiting to go until you get your player to actually play for your team. A little bit. It'll be waiting. worth it. It'll be <laughs> worth it. Most certainly, considering this is an under 22 draft, and Elias Pettersson will still be super young, and I will have arguably one of the best young defensemen in the game in Rasmus Dahlin coming up. Yeah. I'm super pumped about how it's going to work. I compare, you know, an elite goal scorer, <laughs> a guy who, when he comes into the league, when um, when our when our teams are all, when all three of our teams are individually competing for whichever of our, our mock Stanley cup we creates, um, <laughs> I think I'll have the best goal scorer. And so I'm, I'm happy to lock that in just a quick last note on him is that um, I'll go back to, I guess the guy people are going to like to compare uh, Alex Ovechkin. Um, the now rushes their, their breakdown of, uh, of how their, their pro league and their junior leagues was kind of a little different back when Ovechkin was a, uh, was a, was a junior and before his draft year. But for example, Ovechkin, this was what uh, two years before his draft year, he had 18 goals in 19 games and, um, Russia's third division um, from the looks of it here. Uh, good. Uh, it's awesome. And it's, it's what you want to see out of your prospects and you want to see year after year, especially guys like Matt Bamichkov who are, you know, touted as the next big thing going up. You want to see year after year and continue to dominate harder and harder competition. That's exactly what it's doing. Perfect. Um, yeah. So I've chosen most guys that have been playing in the NHL, Makar and Stutzla for my first two picks. The only guy I am going to choose that is not currently in the NHL. I'm going to go after Mike and lock down my number one goaltender. And I'm going to pick Spencer Knight, the 13th overall pick in the 2019 NHL draft. Uh, 
where he was playing at under two goals against average, over 9.30 save percentage. We saw how good he was at the World Juniors, 163 goals against average, 9.40 save percentage. And I think they locked up Bobrovsky. Spencer Knight's going to have a lot of time to develop. And um, I think he's going to be up with Askarov, one of the best goalies in the league for a long time. So I want to add that to my team, having an elite D forward and goalie, and I will select Spencer Knight. Nice. Good stuff. I like that. It's a good pick. Um, Okay, so I think I got two more back-to-back here. I think I'll be back-to-back every time. But um, So since I don't have a defenseman yet, um, there are two guys that, I am deciding between um, – I'm surprised both of them are still up here, but this may come as a surprise. But uh, as my, for my first defenseman, I'm going to be taking Miro Heiskanen. Um, obviously, I know – what's that? That's who I was hoping to drop. I think the surprise is probably more so the fact that he's still available, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess the other – there's one more glaring person up there on D that uh, – think you guys would be happy to take um but uh Heiskanen so he's having a bit of an off year um especially offensively and that's where his uh his critique is coming from right now but I think a lot of that is is attributed to him he's averaging as of the end of February averaging 2.9 shots per game uh compared to last year 4.9 shots per game so I think once uh once those shots start coming up he will be uh he, he will be just as, as good as he was offensively. I think he also has shutdown ability, great dynamic skating, and he's a pretty strong guy, especially for his age. Um, last year, he was ranked eighth in the entire NHL among defensemen for game score value added and was extremely close to Kale McCarr, who was seventh. So I think that's a, uh, it's a great stat for defensemen there. Um, so yeah, Miro Heiskanen there. And then um, I didn't expect to, to take this guy this high, but um I'm going to take just because there's a lot of left-handed shots on, uh, on forward here. So I'm going to take a guy who's a left-handed shot, but can play the right side and actually prefers to play the right side. And that's Andre Sveshnikov. Um, nasty player to play against almost one, one point per game this season and last season. Uh, crazy considering his ice time is pretty insignificant right now. Last year, he was 16 minutes and 44 seconds this year, 17 and a half minutes, but he's big, extremely skilled and plays a very tough, heavy physical game. Um, pairing with that skill. Uh, I think that's a guy that's going to be tough to play against and can put the puck in the net. So um, I like pairing him with Shane Wright as well. So um, got two guys who are capable of putting the puck in the net and, and super skilled guys who can also play make mm-hmm. and big guys. So yeah. I like yeah, that. So is a great pick 60 plus points last year. And the guy's just going to keep better. Was he 21? I think he's 21 years old. Yeah. I think he's 20. He's 20. 20. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy's going to be elite for a long time. I eh? like that pick yeah. a lot. So I guess I am up. So um, this is when I think I'm going to have to go my first devil. And I am, he's playing a little better, had a kind of subpar rookie year. I'm going to go Jack Hughes, um, the former number one pick. He's got elite speed. I know Chris has talked to me a lot. He, the ability to kind of control that puck. And I know Lindy Ruff says he loves the way he plays away from the puck too. So that's, important for me as well getting that kind of two-way guy I know he's known for his offensive capabilities but from what Lindy Ruff says he sounds like he's a very defensively defensive defensively capable going forward and I love this pick I really didn't think he was gonna be here I was considering picking him higher but I'm happy to add Jack Hughes to this roster nice love it all right 
Well, considering we're trying to build um, complete teams, I've gone back and forth on a couple of guys here that um, I would love to, uh, to lock in. Um, I thought about adding another goal scorer. Um, there's one in particular who has, uh, I believe he potted 40 um, in his rookie year or close to that at least. Uh, I'm not going to take him, however. Building a complete team, I'm going to take a guy who I believe uh, still has room to grow offensively, but is already an absolute menace to play against uh, in Brady Kachuk. I've got um, Matt Bamichkov, who is um, is uh, he's a lefty that uh, likes playing on the right side. And then I'll take Brady Kachuk, who is uh, another natural lefty that will uh, we'll toss on the left side of Elias Pettersson. Had that big physical presence, toss him out front of the nets, um, whether it's on the power play or uh, or at even strength as Elias Pettersson and uh, Mishkov are burning through the offensive zone with their speed. Um, there are guys that I believe would be more skilled that I could take with this pick. However, adding high skill guys like Pettersson and Mishkov, we're trying to build a complete team. As uh, we've all mentioned, we are, we, we are trying to right now. I'll take uh, Kachuk and, and bring the elements that he can bring uh, for the the last forward spot. Nice. Moving on to uh, the defenseman. I can wait on the goalie that I, uh, I do want, um, considering you both uh, already have yours. For my right-handed defenseman, Heiskanen would have been a, um, a pipe dream falling to me here. Uh, but I will end up going with Jamie Drysdale, recently top, uh, top pick this year, uh, this past year's draft. He is uh, a perfect fit for the modern game. He is an absolutely dynamic skater. Uh, that's the bread and butter of his game. Uh, not to mention, though, the fact that he has a great shot that uh, I think we all saw on display at the World Juniors, along with uh, excellent vision and uh, controlling the offensive zone. I um, I would ideally probably like, or ideally put Delina as my uh, my top pairing or my uh, my top power play defenseman. However, with um, with Drysdale, I could envision him taking that spot uh, as well, considering that. With his skating ability, he does such a great job of patrolling the blue line and being able to maintain that blue line um, while skating forwards or backwards. That's just something that you get when you when you take a player like him with the uh, with the skating ability that he has. And so I'm uh, I'm happy to add him onto the uh, the roster. Having a great AHL season too. Um, Absolutely. Like he's he's looking really really good. Jordan. All right. So it is my pick. Um, there's one D that I love, but like Chris said, we're trying to build a complete team. And I already have my offensive juggernaut and kill my car. So I'm going to pick a guy that I really love that um, is the only still the second best defenseman on their team. But I'm going to go with Mikhail Sagachev. Six foot three, big mobile guy, but still with great offensive upside. But I think he's a little more defensively responsible than the guy I was going to pick in Quinn Hughes. Kills started killing a lot of penalties last year as well as working the power play. And I he's got a plus shot. And I truly believe he's going to be a top D-man for a long time. And I think I love that size, the six, three to kind of pair with uh, kind of a smaller Macar. So I really like that pick. Nice, man. That's uh that's good. Uh, that's a great pick. So, I mean, for my last defensive spot, I don't really have much of an option here. Um, Quinn Hughes still available. I think I have high skin in who, who can kind of, uh, play that offensive role when he needs to, but I don't think he needs to. And, and also has that shutdown ability, but five Quinn Hughes Lee's he's not extremely sharp defensively yet, but I think he will be there. He needs to sharpen up in the defense, exiting the defensive zone and in the neutral zone. Um, it's hardly a knock on the guy. He's undeniable generational talent. Um, 
possessing he has a lot of same skills as Makar. I don't think he's same degree of a player as Makar, but still amazing. Um, so I'll add Quinn Hughes to pair along with Miro Heiskin in there. And then for my last forward and last pick of this draft, I believe, um, I need, I have goal scoring, I have size. So now I need pure playmaking. And I, th- if this draft went differently, I would have picked this guy way earlier. Cause I know um, Jordan, I, I guess knows I'm extremely yeah, I high on this guy, a little well, too I high know, on this guy. I know who you're picking right here. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's my boy, Trevor Zegris. Um, so I'm way too high on the guy. I had him top three in the Hughes draft. Uh, he played on the second line behind Hughes on that uh, U.S. team. I think he has a chance to be a generational talent, just his IQ, his hands, playmaking ability, outstanding. I think also he has this awkward movement. I don't know if you guys noticed when he skates. He, he skates very awkwardly. I think it throws off a lot of defensemen. Uh, also, surprisingly, kind of a gritty guy. Like, he's competitive. He'll get in the corners when he needs to. Um, but I have him for that pure playmaking here. So him with Shane Wright, as well as Sveshnikov, I don't think there's any shortage in, in skill and goal scoring. So uh, that rounds out my guy, team there. I've never seen a guy use the no-look pass more than Trevor Zegers does. It's yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the most obvious pick of the draft. I was just waiting for it. I was surprised yeah. to pick with your first pick. I, hey, I was toying <laughs> with another guy, but if I didn't get uh, Sveshnikov, I would have picked another guy. I'll talk, I'll talk to you guys about him maybe uh, after the episode. Yeah. Um, so the last guy I will take to round out my team, I've already have two centers. So it looks like I don't have a full first line, but I'm going to pick uh left winger, uh, the first overall pick last uh, year, Alexei Lafreniere. I know he's struggling this year, but he's putting up more than two points per game in the queue last year. I still think he's going to be a generational talent. Um, he possesses that game-breaking ability. I really think he has too much skill and too good of a shot to not be an elite player. He had 112 points in 52 games this draft year and in 10 points in five games in Canada. As like I said, he's got a six-foot-one, six so he's decently sized um, for a first-line forward. So I'm going to pick him with my last pick in the draft. Awesome. That was uh, a great last pick. Right. Um Finishing it off then, I, uh, I like the fact that not a single one of our goaltenders are going to have seen a single NHL game thus far. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be taking the, uh, if you will, the Yaroslav Askarov of, uh, of this upcoming draft, the guy who's supposed to be, you know, that, okay, here's his goalie, super, you know, can't miss. Some team's going to take him top 15. It's uh, Jesper Wallstedt uh, out of Sweden. So we've got basically... Sweden, Russia, and uh, and Team USA is starting goalie for the next two or three Olympics on uh, on all of our rosters. Um, Jesper Wallstedt, so again, he's draft eligible this year. Um, but even um, even so, even as he was the younger goalie on the team, he still managed to put up uh, a wonderful 9.23 save percentage in the two World Junior Games he saw this past season. Um, everywhere else he's been, there's just no shortage of uh, of steady play from him. Even in the uh, Sweden's top league, the uh, the SHL this, this uh, current season, he's got a 9.08 save percentage in 22 games, which considering the fact that um, he's as young as he is, is, is quite remarkable. Um, and then even last year, he, he managed to pop in one Swedish Elite League game, 9.44 save percentage in that one game. Um, and so he's, uh, he's well on his way to, uh, to being the next big thing out of, uh, out of Sweden for goaltending. Awesome. Perfect, That's a great, guys. great pick. Great pick. Yeah, so... 
that's our draft, everyone. Um, so I'll quickly go over. I'll relist our teams really quickly, and I'll give each person about one minute, or 30 seconds to one minute, to think if they do have the best team or they think that someone else picked a better team than them. So Chris just picked Wallstead. He's got Deline, Jamie Drysdale, Elias Patterson, his Russian phenom, and Brady Tuchuk. Mike picked Askarov, Heiskanen, Quinn Hughes, Shane Wright, Shveksnikov, Zegris. And I went with uh, Knight, Makar, Sergachev, Stutzla, Jack Hughes, and Lafreniere. So I will go to you, Chris, 30 seconds. Do you think you have the best team? If so, why? Or if you think someone else picked a better team than you? I think on the ice, I very well could have the best team. If we were to put these uh, fantasy and magical teams up against each other, I think um, the combination of size, speed, skill, physicality, uh, difficult to play against, and, um, and then a backbone and net, as we all have, I think I could easily see my team winning uh, most, if not every single game. <laughs> our team to play against each other. Um, however, with that being said, I don't believe my team is the most skilled. I don't believe my team is the uh, involves the most high end talent. Um, obviously, all of our games are going to be full with talents. But um, as we discussed, I guess part of the uh, the exercise was going to be building a complete team, and I think I do have a complete team. All right, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I I think uh, I think my team is the best for sure. <laughs> um, best decor, I think. Uh, Heiskin and Hughes, try topping that. Um, Askarov, who knows what he'll end up being, but I think he could be generational. But uh, again, I think Wallstedt could definitely be there as well. Um, and then Svechnikov, that's uh, that's basically just like Kachuk is is pretty much a Walmart Svechnikov in my books. So uh, <laughs> maybe not as pesky, but Svech is uh, Svech is a unit. So. That'll be good. Plus Shane Wright, generational talent, and Trevor Zegers, generational playmaking. Um, I, I do think uh, I think Chris's team could be tough to play against, though. So I'll uh, I'll give him that. But I think uh, I think yeah, my team's best. Jordan, I don't know what you were thinking, but I'll let you try and justify <laughs> your picks here. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I think my team is the best too. I think Stutzla, Hughes, and Laugh one of the best forwards I can get on this team. I know you guys went with a couple of players that are in the NHL yet. I think Laugh will turn that generational talent. Um, I do have to disagree. I do not think Chris will win as many games as he thinks he will, but he usually thinks his fantasy team is the best. And sometimes even when he finishes last, still thinks it's the best and finds some excuse, but I believe in your voice. Um, uh, I think Gil McCarr is the best defenseman that we drafted. And I really like Sir Gatchev, So I do like Heiskin and Hughes, though. Um, Trevor Knight, like you said, I think he's going to be a generational talent uh, in the crease, like Askarov. So, yeah, I do still think my team is the best, like you guys. But Sorry yeah, to hear so- that, Jordan. You need to, uh, you <laughs> need to sharpen up your knowledge That's a bit. A shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, that is our episode today. Uh, Chris, we really appreciate you joining us today to talk some hockey. Um, and hopefully you'll be back on the podcast to uh, talk about football, hockey, or UFC. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on, boys. This was, uh, this was awesome. This was a lot of fun. I, um, I like, like we were saying earlier, it's, it's always a good day to talk about hockey, so I'm, I'm glad I could join. This is awesome. Thank you. Perfect. Anything else you want to say, Mike? Or um, No, I think just thanks, Chris, for coming on. We'll, uh, we'll definitely have you, have you back on, um, talk some UFC, as Jordan mentioned, and, and some Leaf Talks. Uh, and maybe uh, maybe we'll do some mock drafts too for the uh, the NHL draft coming up. So Love it. Uh, that'll be fun. So thanks again for coming on. Yeah, happy to. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks again. And we'll see you next episode for Debatable. Take care, everyone.